You're welcome to disagree with this, but I, I think we've entered the time of summer where everyone's just a little bit tired. Like every, everyone's just a little, a little worn down, and there's probably multiple reasons for that. Um, the heat is one of those reasons. Uh, if not the heat, the humidity this past week. Like it's great, and, and then it's just really hot and humid all of the time. That, that's probably one of the reasons. I, I would say most of us, many of us, probably most of us, We've already had whatever vacation we were, we were planning on having, and like it was great, and we were excited about it, and we were anticipating it, and now we've already gone on it, and, and we had a great time, or not, but either way, it's done, and there's, there's not that big thing to look forward to. Um, in general, the things that we were excited about doing in the summer, we've already done most or all of them. Uh, the pool's great, but... We've done the pool a lot, right? Six Flags is Six Flags. We've, we've done it. Braves game. Like, and, and we'll probably do some of that again. But it's not like at the beginning of the summer when it's the first time and you're so excited. Hey, we're back in the pool. Oh, we're going to the Braves game. It, it's not that sort of excitement anymore uh, because we, we've been in summer for a really long time. Uh, other than February... This is, this is the most boring sports season as well, right? Sports people, this is kind of the most boring sport. We know college football and professional football is about to start, but it, we're not there yet. We're halfway through baseball season, which is 162 games, and there's no use talking about pennant races right now. Like we all expect the Braves to be in the playoffs, but nobody has a countdown clock right now unless you're just crazy, rabid fan. But we're halfway through. But there's no basketball being played. There's a big soccer tournament, right? But it's over. Wimbledon was great. It, it's over. Uh, British Open happening this weekend. It's about to be over. You know, with golf, you have a major tournament, and then it's months later before you have another one. Uh, it's kind of a boring sports season this time of year as well. It's just sort of that meh season, right? And I like the summer. Like, I, I love the summer. It's not, it's not summer. It's just we're kind of past a lot of the fun, and, and here we are. This, this is the time of the summer when the schedule starts to bother us a little bit, too, especially if you have kids, right? Because uh, kids are staying up later, and then they're sleeping late. And that was great back at the beginning of the summer, but now there's no rhyme or reason, to, and they want to sleep over, and they have camps, and they've got sports things. And am I convincing you, or am I depressing you? I'm probably depressing you, right? This is just a season of summer where... I don't know, we're just a little, we need some new things kind of kicking off. And it happens in the summer, but I would say it doesn't just happen in the summer. It happens throughout our lives. We we have all been, maybe you're in a season of life, you're just kind of worn down, right? You're just kind of tired, you're just kind of weak or, or frustrated or discouraged, you know, things aren't going well, and it just, everything seems harder right now, and maybe it's not right now. Maybe it was six months ago, or maybe it's going to be in three months from now. We go through those seasons just like summer where things were going great, and everything was easy, and now it's just hard. It's just, 
it's just a lot of work, and, and I'm kind of tired, and, and, and I'm kind of feeling weak. And, and when we get that way, when we get the fatigue going, the, the tired, it's also a time that we begin to lose confidence, maybe, or, or we lose hope, or, or we lose momentum, we lose energy. It's just like everything takes ten times as much energy to get accomplished. There's, there's an old saying, uh, fatigue makes cowards out of all of us. And some people say Vince Lombardi said that. Some people say General Patton said that. In other words, nobody knows who said it. Fatigue makes cowards out of all of us. When we get tired, it begins to affect other areas of our lives. It, 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 it begins to weigh on us emotionally and, and, and highlights our weaknesses maybe. Now, one of the unusual aspects of God in relation to this is that God has this habit. He seems to have this desire to use people who are weak, to use people who perhaps are tired, who perhaps don't have the energy to expend. And, and when you read the Bible, and you could probably come up with examples as, as easily as I can, God always seems to identify the unlikely person to elevate and then make them strong and make them the hero. God chooses, chooses uh, Moses, who had trouble talking, to be his spokesperson to Pharaoh and ultimately lead his people uh, out of bondage. God chooses David, somebody that nobody, even in his own family, thought he had any real strengths or abilities. David becomes the greatest king of Israel. Uh, God uses a very insecure, a very hesitant young girl to become Queen Esther. All throughout the Bible, you see this. God finds the weak, the tired, the insecure those without a lot of self-confidence and says, I'm going I'm to show my strength in you and I'm going to raise you up and I'm going to use you. Some of us are reading through Genesis and several times in Genesis, God chooses the younger sibling to lead the older sibling or to put in a position of leadership. This, this is what God does. The truth really is, those are the only ones that God uses. It's only when we realize our weakness and inadequacies that God is allowed to show His strength in us. That God is allowed to say, I'm doing this not to highlight you, but by using you, God is going to be highlighted. So here's the thing. God won't compete with our egos. He won't do that. God won't compete with our sense of self-confidence or self-esteem. God is waiting for us to realize we really need Him. Not it's good to have Him. Not He's a nice lucky charm for us. We desperately need God. We just sang, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name. It, it, it is the only name that has power. My name doesn't have power. God uses people who recognize their own inadequacies and thereby recognize their desperate need for Him. And those are the people that He gives His blessings, His supernatural ability. We could spend all of our life finding out what we can do, what I can do. 
or we can experience what God can do. One of the two. If I'm determined to show myself strong, I'll never realize the strength of God. It's when I realize I need Him that His strength shows up. We're going to read from Revelation. It's the last book of the Bible in just a minute. You can go ahead and find it. We'll be in chapter 3. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before Him. God chooses the weak and the tired and the desperate to prove His strength and His greatness. Now, this is sort of the story of the church we're going to study today. It's a church uh, in the city of Philadelphia. We've all heard Philadelphia. Philadelphia means brotherly love, right, the city of brotherly love. It was founded 2nd century B.C. by a guy who really loved his brother. That's why it got called Philadelphia. Jesus is writing a message to this church, and this is how it begins. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Interesting, the church at Philadelphia is the second church, along with Smyrna, that God doesn't give any negative feedback to only encouragement, right? only praise, only inspiration, only encouragement. And Jesus introduces himself to this church. It's a church that's suffering persecution, just like Smyrna was, suffering persecution. And Jesus says, I am holy and true. That's his introduction of himself. Holy meaning, I'm set apart, I'm other than, I'm different, I'm distinct, I'm pure, I'm the one and only. So to a church that's suffering persecution, he's reminding them, I'm the only one, I'm the only God. There's no one else like me. I know that you are weak and tired. He's going to say that in just a minute. I just want to remind you, you are suffering for the one and only God who is true. That's the other way. I'm reliable. I'm not a fake. You can count on me, almost as if Jesus is saying, what you're going through is going to be worth it. It's worth it. I'm not faking you out. You're not going to get to the end of this persecution and go, why did we go through all of that? Jesus says, I am trustworthy. You can believe me and you can keep believing in me and you can keep following me. All the other gods in their area were false gods. Jesus says, I am unlike any other God. I'm not just another one. I'm not just another God with another temple and another Greek name. I'm not just one of many. I am the only one. And when we're weak and when we're tired, it is good to be reminded that He is the one true God through all of this. Notice how encouraging Jesus is. Jesus isn't condemning them for their weakness. 
Jesus isn't condemning them. Jesus isn't mad at them. It's a lot like he was with Thomas when Thomas doubted. Jesus said, get close to me. Come see. It's really me. I'm true. I'm real. And if you've been tired before, if you've been weak before, you've probably been through that process as well. It's when we get tired that we question. It's when we get tired that maybe we begin to doubt. It's when we get tired, we, we begin to have the question of, is this really real? Is this really worth it? And Jesus says to us what he said to this church. It's worth it. There's no other God. I'm the one true God. Now, the danger, one of the dangers in fatigue is this. When we're tired, when we get tired, easy looks like true. When we're tired, easy starts to look like true. Here's what I mean. You've been faithful. You, you've been consistent. You, you've, you've stuck with it. You, you, you have been consistent and you're just worn down. And, and if you're not careful, when, when we get tired, the easy path starts to look like a really good path. The, the easy path starts to look like the one we want to walk down. When we're tired, easy starts to look like true. It would be easier if I just didn't have these convictions. It would be easier if I was not the only one that always brought this up. It would be easier if I didn't have to stand out in my circle of friends because of the choices they're making and the way I believe God's called. It would be easier. When we get tired, easy starts to look like true. The, the easy decision. The easy belief, the easy habit, the easy opinion, easy, path of least resistance, starts to look really attractive. It's one of the reasons we're more prone to temptation when we're tired. Because easy just starts to feel like, well, that could be true. And I'm tired of fighting. And I'm tired of being the only one. The, the equation looks something like this. I'm tired of blank, so I'll just blank. Right? Fill it in with whatever. I'm tired of being the only one, so I'll just agree. I'm tired of, so I'll just... Well, when we're tired, and some of us find ourselves in that situation right now, we're tired, and so easy starts to look like true. Now, here's the other way that Jesus identified himself. Not only holy and true, but he introduced himself as the one who holds the key of David, which doesn't mean a lot to us. It's actually a reference to uh, Isaiah. Uh, let me read from the book of Isaiah. In that day... I will summon my servant 
Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, I will clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the people of Judah. I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Almost verbatim what Jesus says to the church at Philadelphia. The, The key of David is a symbol of authority. Power to a church, to a people, to us. When we grow weak, it's good to remember Jesus still has authority. Authority is not in the oppressor. Authority is not in the accuser. Authority is not in the one that seems to be winning all of the time. Authority rests solely in Jesus. Jesus goes on, verse 8. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And there's Jesus' admission. Like, I know you're spent. I I know the pressure that you felt. I know the persecution that you felt. You are tired. I know that you are almost out of strength. But I've set an open door. In front of you, and there's debate over exactly what the open door is referencing. Certainly, Jesus has provided an open door for us to have eternal life. He's thrown the door wide open that anyone who trusts in Jesus by faith can have eternal life, and no one can keep you out, and no one can shut the door. Certainly, that's an open door. But, but I think to this church and and to us, Jesus is speaking of a more immediate open door. I'm giving an open door of opportunity for you. I'm I'm opening a door for mission and ministry and, and for you to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. Philadelphia was originally one of the gateways for Greek culture. Because of where it sat geographically, it was just, it was a, it, the goal from Rome was to use Philadelphia to disperse Greek language and Greek culture. So Philadelphia becomes this missionary city for Greek culture. And Jesus is saying to them, like, I know you're tired. I know you're out of gas. I know you're struggling. I know you're weak. But I've opened a door so that you become a missionary for the kingdom of God where you are. So that the gospel begins to flow out of you to the area where you're currently living. And I know you're tired. And I know you've endured a lot. But I've set an open door in front of you. The truth about opportunities and open doors is that great opportunities are always on the other side of great obstacles. That's the way great opportunities work. They're they're always on the other side of great obstacles, questions and pushback. They're on the other side of discouragement. Great opportunities are always on the other side of uncertainty, challenges, resistance. Great opportunities are always on the other side of great obstacles. When you read the stories of the leaders and the people of the Bible, where God opened doors, where God used them, the open doors were always on the other side 
of an obstacle. There's no sense wanting an open door in our life without an obstacle. That's not the way open doors work. There's no sense wanting an open door without the uncertainty. That's not the way open doors work. Great opportunities are always on the other side of great obstacles. When we hear the word open door, that's not how we tend to interpret it. We tend to interpret open door as easy, right? Well, if it's an open door, then it's obvious. Well, if it's an open door, then all the problems go away and you just walk right through. If it's an open door, then there's no resistance and resistance and you don't have any problem with resources. Resources just magically show up. Our definition of open door is easy. That's not Jesus' definition of open door. Jesus says, you're tired. You've suffered a lot. You have struggled. There are people that are against you and at the same time. I've got some great ministry for you to do. I have great opportunity for you to do. I I have something through this obstacle and through this difficulty that I'm going to accomplish in you. Are there seasons that we need rest? Yes. Are there seasons when we need to re-energize? Yes. But if we expect to arrive at every open door, well-rested and full of energy and without any resistance and all the resources we will possibly need to accomplish what's what we can accomplish through this open door, we're not going to recognize most of the open doors that come into our life. Because most of the open doors that come into our lives are on the other side of obstacles. I mean, Jesus says, you are almost out of strength. You have almost no gas left. And then his next word is not, I think you just need to rest a little bit. His next word is not, I think you need some you time. You just take some you time and get back to me. His message is not, you just need some self-care. That's what you need. You You need to heal up and you need to take a break. Jesus says, be mad at him, don't be mad at me. Jesus says... You are almost out of energy. But I've got an open door. You've got to keep moving. You've got to keep stepping forward. I know this isn't easy. I know you want to lay down and cry. I know you're looking for the path of least resistance. You are almost out of strength. But there's an open door in front of you. You've got to keep going. He's saying that to some of us who are almost out of strength today, and we're tired. And maybe following Jesus for whatever reason is not giving us the great reward that we thought it was going to give us every single day. And Jesus is saying, I know you're tired. you got to keep going. you got to keep going. Don't stop now. There's some students in here. 
And I'm sorry to bring this up, but you're going to be going back to school soon. Okay, that's a part of where we are in summer. And, and students, there are going to be open doors on your campus this year. On your campus. And everything's not going to be easy. And everybody's not going to agree with your faith. Everybody's not going to agree with your convictions. Everybody's not going to agree with how you live your life. There are going to be open doors for you to share the love and grace and gospel of Jesus with other students, on your campus, with teachers. There's going to be an open door. And it's not going to always be easy. Adults, God is giving us open doors. With our neighbors, with our co-workers, with the parents of the kids that our children play soccer with and travel baseball with and travel softball and soccer and are in band with and go to dance with. God's saying, look, they're not going to all agree with you. They're not all going to respond to your invitation. I'm just telling you, keep moving forward because I'm going to put open doors in front of you, to our church, like the church at Philadelphia. Jesus is saying, Journey, I'm going to put open doors, and it's not always going to be easy. And this, you're not always going to look at it and go, Oh, all of the answers are right there. It was so easy to discern. But Jesus is saying to Journey, I'm going to put open doors. You've got to keep moving. You got to keep stepping forward. You got to keep being faithful. Verses 9 and 10. Jesus says to uh, the church at Philadelphia, and we're not going to read these verses, but he says, I'm going to take care of those who are opposing you. Right? It's not your job to settle that score. I'm going to take care of those who are bringing persecution and pressure. I'm going to take care of those who are disagreeing with you. You don't have to take care of that. One day, all that's going to work itself out. You just keep walking through open doors. You continue to be the vehicle through which the gospel can get out. Verse 11. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. In light of the fact that Jesus is coming, in light of the fact that life is short and eternity is long, Jesus tells them, Jesus tells us, hold on, keep walking, don't give up, be who you're called to be, walk through open doors. And he says, I've got my name on you. Name shows identity, right? We belong to Him. 
through all of this journey, through, through all of the struggles, the ups and the downs, Jesus is saying, no, you're mine, you're mine, you bear my name, I put my name on you. And then Jesus says, you're going to be a pillar, like in a, a building. You're going to be a, a strong pillar. A pillar is a symbol of strength and stability and dependability. Philadelphia, ancient Philadelphia, suffered from earthquakes. Uh, it was destroyed by an earthquake in AD 17. But even after that, there were aftershocks and tremors and additional earthquakes. It was pretty consistent uh, because of the geography where they sat. Pretty consistent earthquakes and aftershocks and tremors continued throughout the history of Philadelphia. Anybody been in an earthquake before? Yeah, I, I was in a small one in South Carolina. It is the weirdest thing. It is because you don't know what it is at first. If you're not in a place where it doesn't happen very often, you're wondering if everybody else feels this and what is this. In Philadelphia, you grew up knowing that one of those tremors had destroyed your city. And you could still see evidence of it by the time this is written. You can still see evidence. And not only that, you grew up knowing that at any minute... Another one could hit. And so the people in Philadelphia spent a lot of time trying to rebuild structures as more earthquakes were happening. And what would happen is they they would be in their house or they would be in a building and they would feel a tremor knowing the devastation that could happen. They would then run out of a building because if you're in a building, it's likely to collapse on you. They would run out of the building. Some of them would run out of the city when this started. They would get their whole family. They would run out of the city and they would wait until it was over. If that took hours or days or weeks, they would wait and then they come back into the city. Now, you've lived your whole life like this, never knowing when the next one was going to happen. Oh, this. This level, can you imagine the level of anxiety you live with every day? Is this going to be the one? Is it going to happen today? Any building you go into, you're thinking exit strategy. Jesus says, to the people who have lived like that, that He is turning them into stable, strong pillars. That they're not going to have to run in and out of. They're not going to leave and come back. I I know you're weak. I know you are, in Jesus' words, almost out of strength. You don't have very much left. But what you don't see yet is as you're walking faithfully with Jesus, He's making you into something strong. Something lasting. Something dependable, something that cannot be shaken by the greatest earthquakes in this world. That's what he's turning them into. That's what he's turning us into. And some of us are tired. Things in our family, things in our relationships. We've been praying and we've been praying and we've been praying. We're tired. 
We've been standing. We've been trying in the right way to to honor God's word wherever we go. We've been trying in the right way to to love and, and maybe sometimes to disagree. We're tired. And Jesus says, number one, keep going because I got open doors for you. I'm taking you something. There's opportunities I have for you. I know you're tired. Keep going. And number two, at the end of this journey, you're going to look back and see. I was planting you deeply. I was making you strong. I was making you dependable. And as weak as you feel right now, as out of strength as you feel right now, Jesus says, one day you're going to realize you were becoming a pillar. You were becoming strong. So even if you have very little strength left this morning, He is holy and true. He's never not going to be true. There's never going to be a day that he's going to turn out to be a fake. He is the one true God who is making you and me and us strong. God, thank you that in our weakness you are strong. That in our hesitancy You are powerful. That when we don't have the answers, you are the answers. And God, help us not to opt for easy. And you've called us to live truth. God, I pray for those who are almost out of strength. Remind them that they have brothers and sisters that lived 1,900 years ago who felt the same way. And all along Christian history, there have been people who were almost out of strength. And Jesus has said, keep walking because there's an open door for you. I'm at work. I'm holy and true. I have authority. And I'm turning you into a pillar, a strong stable, dependable pillar that cannot be shaken by the earthquakes of this world or your life. But we can trust you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.